The Alabama Crops Report podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Alabama Crops Report podcast. Uh, Today, we're in the uh, virtual studios. Uh, uh, Me and Amanda Shear here with you. We've got uh, Chris Balkum, our extension peanut man. I think uh, it covers just about every aspect of peanut production for us here in Alabama. Amanda, Chris, how y'all doing today? Great to be here with y'all. Yeah, I'm excited to to get you on the podcast, Chris. You're always kind of a regular, so our listeners, you know, kind of already know you. We kind of wanted to start with, you know, what were the final numbers for the peanut crop in 2022? We were a little bit disappointed with the final yield there, but all in all, it wasn't that bad. We were around 3,400 pounds to the acre. Uh, certainly could have been a lot worse when you think back on the growing season that we had and and the extreme heat. You know, we had uh, several weeks at that 100 degree temperature and uh, we were really uh, spotted rains throughout Alabama. And, uh, you know, we could have really saw a lot worse yields, actually. All in all, it wasn't terrible. Not what we needed, you know, with a high input year like what we saw last year, but certainly could have been worse. Last year was pretty crazy to me, particularly down in that wire grass area where it seemed like, you know, phone calls I was getting on spider mites and stuff across crops was like some fields were getting really good rain patterns and, and really doing good. And other fields, you know, just a mile down the road never could catch a rain. It's pretty weird. You know, that's the way those summer thunderstorms are, unfortunately. If you're under one, you're getting a lot of rain. And if you're not just right down the road, it's uh uh, you're wishing you could get a little bit. You know, last year, uh, the weather, like I said, was completely different. Uh, in 21, here at the Wiregrass substation, we recorded around 33 inches just during the growing season. And last year during the growing season, we were just under 14 inches. Uh, so a, a huge difference there, uh, not to mention that that was even spotted around the area. That's just what we we recorded here. You know, some places were were even lower than that. I would say that the, one of the good things for producers last year, with it being so dry, that kept you know leaf spot pressure down a little bit there. But I did see you know a lot of the dry land peanuts really affected by that, even on the station where they looked very sad on our dry land fields. Um, you know, still better yields than what I anticipated, but you could definitely see the impacts there. Also, kind of sticking on you know impacts of disease and kind of leaning into seed quality. How does seed quality look for 2023? We've been pretty lucky, you know, the last couple of years, you know, especially compared to 2020, where we saw a lot of issues with some seed quality. Kind of what are your thoughts? What have you been hearing, you know, from producers and seed companies in terms of quality? You know, all all in all, the quality looks pretty good. Surprisingly, you know, with the year that we had, of course, obviously we pulled our our, our seed production fields out from irrigated areas. But, you know, when you kind of have the weather that what we face, you could still be challenged there. Uh, just like, for instance, we had uh, overall, we experienced lower grades, uh, especially in the beginning of harvest last year. So uh, in turn, those lower grades will, will translate out into a, a lower turnout there. Uh, when you think about shelling that crop, the percentage will be a lot lower. Uh, you know, and, and so the, as far as that quality of that, just because it's a lower shell out doesn't mean that that's going to be bad quality. You know, we could be looking at mature peanuts inside those pods and they could just be single nuts versus being double nuts. So it just throws off your ratio uh, to change that percentage. You know, um, uh, when you think about whole to meat ratio, uh, you could have a, just one solid mature nut 
versus having two in there. So uh, you, you never know. And that th just that weather that we had could have caused that to abort out that other nut. So, you know, if it's that or if it's just, uh, you know, early cold then or or um, or just the rain just shut off and the, and the nuts were premature, that's obviously going to change the quality there. And then look at probably different germination for that seed as well as uh, other potential issues. But then that's about as spotted across the uh, map as the rain showers are. So, you know, hopefully we don't have much of that in those pockets and those areas. Uh, we seem to have probably more of the one-sided nuts than anything. So uh, that won't affect us there other than just the lower turnout. Speaking of that and being a little disappointed last year, as we're recording this, today's April the 4th, uh, the USDA prospective planning report just came out on March 31st. They got us up, up a little bit from last year up to 170. You think that's a pretty good number? I do. We, we're certainly going to increase, uh, Scott, I think, for the state. Uh, I really think that's probably a little bit light. I, I think we could probably go back up to a, easily 180,000 uh, acres there uh, for the state. You know, I, I know probably a lot of interest in corn. Uh, as well as probably even more interest in soybeans. Uh, you know, you got a lot, lot lower cost of production probably with the soybeans versus the peanuts and and less work out there and trips across the field. They're certainly going to gain some interest. But I, I think the peanut number probably acreage-wise is a little bit light at 170. I know I give the U.S. crop report uh, back to the National Peanut Buying Points Association as where as well as the American Peanut Shellers Association back in February and then in March. And I know we were forecasted then uh, for the state around 180. And then as far as for the U.S. to be about a 1.5 million acre crop. Uh, certainly the interest is there. And, and uh, you know, in the traditional growing areas of Alabama and, and, and our neighboring states, Georgia and Florida as well, we have a tendency to lean on peanuts during these years like this when, when inputs are high. Uh, because, you know, peanuts has kind of been the bread and butter uh, on the farm as far as in these traditional growing areas. So they, they have a tendency to kind of rely on them and stick to that. That's what they like to grow. And uh, that's what's, you know, kept them in the dance for so many years, per se. So uh, uh, especially now with cotton, uh, a cheap price, you know, economically, uh, that doesn't look near as good as it did last year. You know, last year was a high input year, but but we kept the peanut acres down and that was good because cotton price was good and strong. You know, we were looking at dollar cotton and that's what we needed. Uh, but now, you know, we're in the low eighties and, and uh, that's a lot of difference. So in terms of uh, for 2023, I know that we've had one change in terms of seed treatments that are available. Um, is there, you know, any thoughts you have on the, the new seed treatment and what do you kind of recommend going into 2023 for producers? There is one new treatment that's out there that, that'll be on limited uh, availability there from Syngenta uh, Tribusay. We got to look at it just a little bit last year and we'll look at it certainly more in depth uh, in, in 23. But um that's going to be on, available on a limited supply uh, through just a, a, a few shellers that'll be testing it and running it through their plants. And uh, that'll get some looks at it out there on the farm, as well as more researchers like ourselves will be able to take a look at it. Certainly as uh, technology progresses and, and, and research continues, uh, we're always looking for, for new things down the road to help keep these producers uh, viable and be able to economically 
make it better on their farm. So ho hopefully that, that'll be a good product. That'll be very beneficial. So time will tell as we look at it in 23 season. As you said, you know, we're starting to think about these things. We're uh, April 4th. So when do you think the first peanuts are going to be stuck in the ground? Oh, man, that's a good question, Scott. You know, uh, everybody had been really early on their corn this year. You know, we've had some some really warm days and and this, even the soil temperatures have been warm. You know, obviously we um, we hit some cool weather just a little while back, but uh, those guys had jumped out there way early on some corn. And, you know, traditional corn growing guys is, is very similar, just like our peanut guys. You know, they're going to hold back and, and try to plant at a more optimum time, you know, when they're when when maybe those temperatures balance out and we won't be bouncing back and forth and hitting those cold temperatures and and causing us some problems. So uh uh you know I've I've seen us go out there and go to planting some peanuts as early as April the 9th in, in the last few years. But um uh, uh it certainly brings on some concerns as we as we think about uh tomato spotted wilt number one has been increasing the last two years. We've got so much in this crop now as far as our inputs and our labor and, and stuff. You know, we only want to do it one time and do it right. So uh, uh, I, I certainly hope they wait to at least the end of April before they start. It all depends on, you know, when the peanuts are going to start going in. But we do know that those earlier planted peanuts are going to be more at risk for tomato spotted wilt. And you mentioned that we have seen an increase in incidents the last couple of years so for those producers that are going to be planting early and kind of diversifying those planting dates, uh, what do you kind of recommend for varieties to kind of minimize their risk there? They need to take advantage and take a look at the uh, risk index. You know, uh, all of us researchers from all the neighboring states here in Georgia and Florida and Alabama and Mississippi, and, and we've all, you know, grouped together as well as Carolinas and and you know, develop this peanut RX and we continue to look at that each year and make adjustments and fine tune it as y'all well know and are, are very much involved in. When we think about uh, planting early, we obviously need to take advantage of some of those varieties that have more resistance than others. Uh, certainly a difference between them. Uh, no, there's no doubt, uh, hands down, 12 Y's got the most resistance of any variety probably out there available in the current marketplace. And, and, you know, e even with that, they don't need to just exclude the insecticide. You know, they, they some producers feel like, oh, hey, I got a good variety that's strong resistance. You know, I'm going to plant that first. I don't, uh, I'm not going to fool putting that insecticide out. You know, we, they, they can't look at it that way. You've got to take every precaution necessary right there as you as you do that, because uh, we're still vulnerable. You know, we, we said the optimum planting time is probably mid-May. And uh, that probably still holds true now. And uh, so any other time when we're out there way early in, in April, doesn't mean we can't get by with it, but but we need to take every precaution we can, take a strong variety with a lot of resistance, use a good insecticide at planting. We close that fur and 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 try to prevent that virus. Uh, you know, uh, obviously twin rows, strip till, both of those are other advantages to, to um, defending off the virus and, reducing thrips, that's certainly something to, to be mindful of when they're out there because, you know, we've got a lot of producers uh, here as we change and go through time, we've got fewer producers with more acres. So so we, we've got a lot more larger producers now than what we used to have. With that being said, they've got to cover a lot of acres. So they have a long spread out planting time and uh, they, they've got to go in there and take some risk and plant some early. So Scott, I'd like to ask you, uh, you know, kind of 
based on what Chris was saying about they can't forget about the insecticide, even if they have a good, you know, resistant variety. Uh, what would be your recommendations, uh, you know, to help producers minimize their risk there with their insecticide choice, you know, and how we kind of differ from maybe Georgia in terms of what they use? Because um, we have seen more incidents here in Alabama than Georgia, maybe in the last couple of years. Yeah, to me, the the, the easiest thing to do for both thrips and, and virus is planting date. You know, try to, I know we, we can't do everything there, but try to avoid those April plantings if we can. But if that's not an option and, and just, you know, that planting date's not going to avoid virus either, right? It, it's still, thrips are still going to be out there. They're still going to be transmitting it. So we know that according to, to everything I understand, Thymad is the insecticide that has the best ability to reduce incidence of the virus. So, so we talk about folks, if you're worried about virus, that, that's what you ought to do. And I think, Chris, a lot of folks are running the midicloprid, uh, pencils out pretty well, and it generally does good enough on thrips. It has uh, little to no impact on, on tomatoes by wilt virus, and it might could potentially, I don't know, make it worse uh, with anti-feeding things. Maybe they're probing a little bit more and spreading it out even more. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's certainly possible. Uh, so, again, to me, you know, as far as managing virus, Planning date is my number one thing. And then the use of ThymeMed, if you're concerned about it, is another. So, Chris, just some final thoughts on variety selection. You know, we kind of talked about if you're going in early and you're worried about tomato spotted wilt with Georgia 12Y, but of course they're going to, you know, kind of diversify those planting dates. Um, are there any final thoughts you have on variety selection, you know, going past that, you know, aside from tomato spotted wilt? Like we mentioned there earlier, the 12 is an excellent choice early in the season. You know, 06G is a variety that's that's dominated the acreage uh, uh, all across Georgia and Florida and Alabama for a number of years. That's that's been out for a long time. Obviously, we've had that variety for 17 years, and uh, we're going to continue to see it for a few more years. When, when we think about the certified seed acres there in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, uh, last year, 06G was 74% of the seed acres. So we'll continue to see it for a while longer. Uh, now, obviously, we mentioned, you know, just like if you're planting early, that's not going to be a variety that you want to plant early with because of the risk with tomato spotted wilt virus. But, but they're more in that mid-season and with a good insecticide and a good program, uh, the right time going out there to plant. Uh, and especially, you know, late, late season, there's probably not a better variety to plant late than 06G is. And, uh, you know, there, there's reasons why it's been around so long. Uh, you know, it's a high yielder. It, it, it's always been pretty good as far as uh, uh, leaf spot. Gosh, when you think about tomato spotted wilt, when we got that variety, that's when we forgot about tomato spotted wilt because we just didn't see it there then for the longest time. So, uh, you know, th there's only 12Y only has probably 7% of the acres in 12YC production followed by Georgia 16HO with about 7%. AU17 is a new variety that's been coming on that's been kind of a slow starter. There's only 2% of it followed by the rest of the varieties. And uh, so they're very minimum. But when you think about AU17, you know, it's, it's not going to dominate and win all of the yield trials. But as a as far as a high oleic variety, it's probably the best disease package in a high oleic variety that's out there currently available. And if you have some disease pressure, that's when it's going to shine and it's going to show its capability to yield and the reason why it's uh, there and available. So, uh, uh, you know, we've got some options, but we're just going to have to continue to pick and choose them and, and stick them in where we need them. 
you know, we're going to be planting O6G for a little while longer, it looks like. It's, it's been a good one for sure. So, you know, if you got, got old trusty, you keep, keep riding it. <laughs> That's right. So Chris, what are your final thoughts for the upcoming 2023 peanut crop? Uh, I, I certainly hope everybody has a good season. I know here currently, you know, people have been trying to get corn in and uh, here in Southeast Alabama, we probably had seven inches in the last week. So uh, we have re- been relatively dry early so lately, we've been really, really wet. And, uh, you know, it seems like we always, one pattern follows, follows another. So we'll probably dry up here soon and we'll be looking for a rain. Uh, you know, as we, as we think about that, we think about the cover crops out there. You know, I would advise those people, hey, if you got them headed out right now, the 1st of April, let's get out there and burn them down. And uh, let, let's start conserving that moisture because those cover crops can suck a tremendous amount of moisture out of the ground. And, and right now, if we've already got them headed out, hey, that's when we need to go in there and terminate them. So let's hurry up and get in there and terminate them so that we can go to conserving that moisture out there and have some later. If we get sparse and these rains uh, get spotted, and we, we'll probably be begging for rain here later. But but we need to be able to uh, have some moisture to work with, to strip till in. So uh, that, that's number one. I'd say let's get some burn down out. Hopefully, uh we have a good forecast. You know, everything seems to be normal when you look at the climate forecast, rainfall, temperature. Uh, so hopefully that that's going to happen. It seems like we're cycling out of La Nina. That'll put us more to a normal pattern, hopefully. Maybe everybody have a good growing season and we'll have some good harvest weather and everybody I have a really good yield this year. Well, that's definitely what our stakeholders want to see and fingers crossed for them and for us too, for our research trials. We really appreciate you coming on the Alabama Crops Report podcast today, Chris. It's always great to have you and hear your expertise in terms of peanuts. Hey, always good to be here with y'all. Thanks, Chris. And with that, if we can ever be of any help to anybody, don't hesitate to reach out. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.